So, uh, sorry this week I, I didn't have a, a chance to get to the to a PowerPoint. Um, kind of doing a new uh, format and structure uh, with uh, school. It was really neat. We had this new uh, uh, book and, and format of. Uh, design for preaching, and uh, so I'm really trying that out, and just in, in working that out over the last uh, couple of weeks, it's just been uh, something sh- really trying to focus on that. Uh, but uh, I do want to touch on uh, something that, that Tom had said uh, during announcements, and uh, I, I run the admin for our Facebook page, and uh, this week was really interesting because it started out with a ton of World Cup stuff. I have pastors from around the world that are all over my Facebook page, and uh, England, and France, and Croatia, and uh, who is the, uh, uh, I remember who the other final team was. They, they were all, a lot, I had a lot of, lot of pastor friends in those areas, and so it was interesting that all of a sudden uh, they were just blasting this with there, and then my, the World Cup a lot of these teams were gone that, that my friends were, and so it rolled into having just my notifications. I, I have about 30 new notifications pretty much about every 20 minutes right now because everybody goes through and is liking all the pictures that they're posting. So if you guys haven't been on Facebook yet, definitely jump on and see the Facebook, uh, the Facebook posts and the pictures. They've been posting some really neat pictures of working with the kids and the repairs they've been doing um, and everything that's been going on there in, uh, uh, in Malawi, and it's a, it's a blessing blessing to see what the team is doing there. Uh, in addition, if you guys uh, remember uh, Philip Cross, he actually has a, a smaller team that is there in Malawi as well. So you can be praying for them as well. And I know they're, they're working, uh, Lucy, and uh, who was initially going to go with us, is with him and a few others uh, who I think had attended Bridges before. So we can be praying for them over in Malawi as well. Uh, so with, with that, let's go ahead and pray uh, and start our time. Uh, Dearly Father, we, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for your word, and, and Lord, we thank you that uh, we can come to know you. Lord, we thank you that it is so important that we come to a, a knowledge and understanding of who you are, Lord, and that, that knowledge of you and, and seeking in, in a knowledge of you will benefit us in so many ways, Lord, to, to be able to become more Christ-like. We just pray today that you will uh, put me aside, Lord, and let your words come through, Lord. Let your words be able to... Uh, to just shine, shine through his truth, Lord, and that I will just be, be that vessel for truth. And we just thank you so much uh, for that today. You know, in this week, as I, uh, as I was really pondering this message, this message is as much to me as it is to everyone, because I think so often we can, in fact, I was telling Emily that this morning, that, that we can rest in our own strength and not seek out what God has for us. So we can try to do everything on our own power, and then when it comes down to it, God's kind of standing there going, you know, if you let me into this, if you let my power come into this, it would go so much better. It would be so much greater. Just imagine what I could do if you let me take the reins, as opposed to doing that. So with that, I want to tell you two stories of two different products. So the first product, if you'll imagine a family, much like Emily and I, where we have a baby coming, and they're getting ready to set up the nursery, they're get, and they, go, they run to their local Walmart or Target or Ikea, and they get a crib, they get the rocking chair, and they get, all, get everything. And, and they go in, and they go into the room, and they lay everything out, and they see all the parts, and all the parts, and it looks daunting. There's so many parts from each of those. You got the little bolts, the little nuts, the washers, every little piece. And, and they look, and, and man, it's just too big of a job to do. But then they see, and there in the package is this nice, fine, detailed instruction manual. 
And it gives you step by step on how to put those together. Now, unfortunately, there have been some lately where you go and get them and they're not as detailed as you hoped. Kind of just gives you one broken all, all down. But typically we get detailed instructions. And we can put that through, we can put it together, and if we follow the instructions step by step, we have a nice piece of furniture that comes out. And the funny thing is, you can actually imagine what it would look like if you don't follow the instructions. And careful sometimes looking things up, but there are fails of Ikea fails out there images. People who have put a chair together, and the back is actually being used as legs instead of as a, as a support for their back. And so there's a lot of funny ways people have made mistakes on these parts. But the instruction manual is there to be sure. And then on the other product, we think of a grandfather. Okay, he's getting his first smartphone. To this point in life, he's only ever used a flip phone where he puts in the digits, hits the green button, and he makes the phone call. And that's all he knows. And so there are uh, his grandkids, and they're getting ready to uh, actually give him this smartphone. And, uh, and he opens the box, and he sees a smartphone, and he's, he's kind of excited about it. But then as he, as he looks more, he looks through the box. You know, he's an old school guy. He's looking for the instruction manual. He's trying to figure out how it's going. But as you know, most of the phones, smartphones these days don't come with one. So the family ensures him that they're going to be able to help him learn how to use this thing. And so immediately they show him how to text. They show him how to make a phone call. They show him how to video chat. They show him how to get on Facebook. But only so much sinks in. And then time goes on and the family gets busy. And he just ends up using the phone for what little he can remember. And so he uses the phone with a limited capacity because he doesn't have enough instructions on how to be able to go forward in life with that phone to the full capacity of what it can do. And unfortunately, many of us take this approach to our life. We either walk through life never reading the instruction manual or we don't even know <laughs> we don't even know that the instruction manual exists and we wind up living our lives in limited capacity. Why do we do this? Why do we try to walk through life without looking at the owner's manual, insisting on figuring everything out on our own power? This unfortunately results, <laughs> sorry, this unfortunately results in, if we're Christians, as us living as practical atheists. We say we believe in God, we acknowledge God, but we don't actually include him in our everyday decisions. He's not there in everything we do. So therefore, we, as we look to 2 Peter in chapter 1, you can go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles. Um, it's important to keep in mind that, <clears throat> sorry, that, that this is where, where Peter is going with this in, in the instruction manual. Here Peter emphasizes the importance of seeking out the knowledge of God for an effective and fruitful life. And as we come to a greater understanding of God, God ensures us that continually seeking after the knowledge of him will result in the believer becoming more Christ-like. With that said, let's go ahead and read 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be applied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. 
by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the, in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, for having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. This passage demonstrates four examples of how Christians become more Christ-like when they seek out the knowledge of God. In addition, it includes a warning of the effects when we do not seek out the knowledge of God. So first, God's grace is multiplied in us when we grow in a knowledge of him. So there in two, we see, may grace and peace be applied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. <laughs> Here we start to see that, that Peter is finishing his introduction to the church, his welcome to the church, and his greeting there uh, with opening up the first area that he's going to go in the passage. He's really starting out that this first topic, okay? And he's wanting to, to explain how the knowledge of God can bring grace and peace to our lives. And so in this passage, as we'll see, there, there's two different forms of knowledge that Peter will reference. There's epignosis in the Greek, and this is where we're becoming thoroughly acquainted or to know thoroughly. So we want to know God completely, Okay? And then there's gnosis. And gnosis is just that general idea, that general understanding of knowledge of what we're going to do. And he emphasizes these knowledges to be clear that, that people are able to experience God in the different, different ways they can. And so we'll see that in here. And so as Peter is introducing this concept, he's really coming at this from experience. Right? Peter's, he's received grace from Christ after the resurrection. Okay? And this is key, because we, we, excuse me, as we look back to his life, we notice a couple of key characters, characteristics about him. And the first thing is that he is a rough-around-the-edges guy who speaks first and asks questions later. And next, we would see in one of those moments that he actually, in, in his weakness, instead of being so bold, he ends up denying Christ three times prior to Christ going to the cross. But then that comes back around and he's restored by Christ after the resurrection. And he powerfully preached the gospel with the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And it wasn't until after these, ev these events that Peter came to fully understand the reality of Christ's work on the cross. How terrible is it to be so afraid that you deny a friend in their hour of need? Yet we see that Christ accepts him back fully. Having understood real grace through these experiences in his life, Peter seeks to call his people, God's people, to do the same. Peter wants his readers to understand what the relationship with Christ looks like in practice. So we need to draw on our, on our own experiences when we came to know Christ at a deep level and receive his grace and peace in the process. But Peter goes on to develop how our knowledge of God correlates to our lives. So we see that God's power 
provides us with every tool for life through the knowledge of him. We see in verses 3 and 4 that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So first we want to look at in this passage is this concept of being granted. Okay? That, that here with Christ and his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. Now this here is uh, dorioma is the Greek word here. And it means to bestow graciously. It means that, that God is going to give us in an abundance here of the things that pertain to life. He's going to give this to us in extremely graciousness that he will give to us. Okay. And then as we look to, to this, this word here of life, and where it's talking about everything pertaining to life, it's actually this concept that is uh, Zoe is the word, and it says, uh, he says, it, it is, the concept is life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, Blessed in the portion, even in this world. And then as we look to godliness, it's yeseba, is the Greek word. And it means to have reverence and respect. So, and so as we look here at, at this passage, we're seeing that, that God is, is guaranteeing, he's giving us this overflow in his power to be able to have everything that we're going to have in life. That, that, that every decision, everything that we're doing in life, we can go to him to. We can seek his, him out and go to the knowledge of him to see that. And then he will, in this also too, he grants us the very great and precious promises. Now, now what are the promises here? The promises are significant because we go down e even further and it says these promises are that we are partakers of the divine nature. We get to, eventually, that when we go to him, when we go to heaven, that, that we will have that perfected nature, that, that we'll have perfected bodies, that as we, as we are with him and as we are in heaven with him, we will enjoy him in perfected bodies that, uh, that will never see corruption again and we'll have eternal life with God. And then the other promise is that we will have escaped. It, we will have escaped. It's not we're going to. We will have escaped being or the sinful corrupt, uh, desires of this world. And these are guarantees that we will be able to be free from those concepts and ideas. That, that he guarantees, he grants that these promises will take place. <clears throat> so if you think about it in terms of work projects in life. okay. So prior to ministry, I did a lot of different, I have a very broad experience of, of work uh, in my life prior to ministry. And I had a couple different ones I want to compare here that, that really show well what God is doing for us in this. So with one company, uh, I we would go out and I worked on machines that would go out and we clean up the soil and groundwater from old gas station tank spills. It's called remediation. And, and essentially what these machines would do, there were two types. They had large vacuums and they would suck out all of the contaminants out of the ground. And the one machine 
would, and this is out of the soil, would throw those contaminants into a giant furnace. It's like 5,000 degrees on some, or a couple thousand, usually I think over from two to 5,000 degrees. Just intense heat going on in these things and burn these contaminants off. You have the smokestacks. One time I showed up at a site and there was this hummingbird that was still on the side and he had flown right through the heat and just died instantly. <laughs> it was right there, there. And so there's just intense heat that's coming off. And the other machine pulls the groundwater out of, uh, that's there, that's contaminated. We'd have to take samples and, and, and pull the water out. And then we'd run it through a treatment cycle, sometimes carbon, sometimes uh, bio little critters that would eat, eat, eat the, the contaminants out in, in, in the water. And then we would release the water into the wastewater. So we'd clean the water and put it back into the waste. So, so we have these, these machines, but now these companies that hired us to do this work were doing this to avoid lawsuits. If you think of uh, Aaron Brockovich, the movie Aaron Brockovich, it's all centered around this kind of concept. The groundwater was contaminated so bad uh, at a city up in uh, the high desert that the people were actually getting sick off of the water there. Um, and so this Aaron Brockovich movie is about a lady who goes and sues them to... Uh, to to protect these people. So the, the, these, these kids that are sick and dying because of these contaminants. And so these companies, after seeing that precedent of what happened, uh, are trying to avoid lawsuits. So they don't cut costs. They want to ensure that everything is done correctly. So we had, I mean, what appeared as an employee, an unlimited budget to get this thing done correctly, efficiently, in a timely manner, and safely. We have to put on a ton of gear to make sure that we weren't cutting ourselves. I'd have to have a, a set of, of chemical protecting gloves with then cup resistant gloves, with another set of chemical resistant, or chemical resistant gloves. And so sometimes it was hard to work, but we never had a concern of if the money was going to be available for us to complete these jobs. And this is how Christ works. In us, he, he, he wants to ensure that we grow in our faith so he grants us all the things we need pertaining to life. He granted his precious and very great promises to us so that we can partake in his perfection and escape corruption. But this can only happen when we have a knowledge in him and when we grow in the knowledge of him. Unfortunately, many of us approach our faith in what resembles another job that I was asked to do. This was a handyman job. And a lady, request, uh, she was requesting for me to, to hire me. And she wanted me to take this little shed, I don't know, six foot by 10 foot, take the floor out because it was, it was a wooden floor. It was all broken up and wanted me to lay concrete down. And typically on that, you'd raise it up or, uh, and, and you'd kind of put a foundation on, on the one side because it's a, and then you uh, try to lift it up and lay the foundation, set it back down and then mount it to it. And, and, so that, that's kind of how I typically would approach this. You want to do it right so it's firm, it's level. You have a level, level spot for the shed to go on. She had a different idea how to do it because she thought that was going to take too much time and cost too much labor. So what she wanted me to do was rip the floor out in the, in the middle and then go in with plastic and put plastic up about four feet on the walls and pour the concrete onto the plastic. And, what would this, and then cut the plastic once the concrete dried. Well, if you could picture this, you have a single door with a 
four feet up of plastic, you cannot walk into the shed. So this is going to result in having an uneven floor because I can't get in and scrape the floor to level it. And then once I finally cut the plastic, because it was tacked up on the wall, you're going to have a curve. That means if you have any water or anything gets into the shed, it's just going to go down underneath into the concrete or into the wood. It's going to rot the wood. The shed's not going to last very long. And she, she wanted to save money in doing the project, and so she cut corners in order to do this. And we can do that in our lives. We try to cut corners in our faith. We try to cut corners in our growth. We, we view things in a way that is somehow allowing us to, to do this in our own power. We, we, we don't want, we don't view, the, understand that God fully provides everything for us, that God is sufficient for us. And so we cut corners and say, God, you're not doing that right. I, I need to take this and do this my way. We need to understand that since God graciously bestows all the means for us to live a life that is real and genuine, where we can be active and vigorous, fully devoted to God, with access to his blessings, even while living in the chaos of this world, we need to seek the knowledge of him and trust him that his power will carry us through even the most difficult of life decisions. And since we can trust him with even the most difficult decisions of life, we know we can trust him to help, grow, <laughs> to help us grow in becoming more like Christ. And see, God produces character in us when we grow in the knowledge of him. And this we see in verses 5 and 7. It says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. As we look at this long list of qualities, we must first begin with looking at the idea of faith here. The Greek word here is pistis, which means a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. This is a faith that is sure in Christ and it does not waver. It is though, and it is through this that the remaining qualities will flow, will flow, uh, will flow out of. We know that they flow out of faith because this verse begins with, for this very reason. And, th and this very reason references these truths that Peter had just previously explained in the verses. We are given all things pertaining to life. We are given all his promises. We, we will gain a perfect inheritance. We have escaped from sinful corruption. And since these things are true, the inevitable next step is to supplement and add these qualities to our faith. And not by a means of obtaining salvation, because salvation is already there, but because it is through the goodness of God that produces us in us a means to transform us and move forward in life. And we actually see this elsewhere in Scripture. In Paul, Paul, is, Paul and Peter are very much writing in similar concepts. And so, if you want to turn there in Romans... Uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul addresses something very similar here. So again, that was Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I appeal to you, 
Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul here is demonstrating the importance of being transformed and how, how when we know Christ, when we have in our worship is to be transformed, it's to change. God doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He's not leaving us in our sin. He's moving us forward in that. And so as we get to know him, as we're being transformed and renewing of our minds, knowing God is changing our minds, it's renewing our minds, it's moving us forward. And so what's interesting here in this aspect is as we move, go back to Peter, he builds each of these qualities as he's moving through this. And so as I was examining this list, it took some time though to figure out why virtue was that first one. Why are we supplementing faith with virtue? Why, you know, virtue is known as moral excellence. But looking at how virtue builds from knowledge and then next to self-control actually brought a key to it. Okay, and, and this again goes back to Paul. And I'll let you guys turn there on this one to 1 Corinthians 8, starting in 1 and 3, 1 through 3. So here we can see an example of what happens when the supplementing of faith is not happening in somebody's life. So if you turn with me there, so 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. He says, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. It could appear at first glance of this passage that it's kind of presenting a negative understanding about gaining knowledge. And that we need to focus on love instead. However, when we examine the rest of the text, we understand that the people Paul is talking to already had a proper understanding in their theology about idols. Okay? They, uh, they, they, they understood that, that, uh, that this meat offered to idols, was it? there was no concern there. And, and, but you had another group that didn't quite understand that. You had one group who knew that the idols were, in a sense as Trump would say, fake news. It didn't matter. These people, these idols don't do anything. They have no power in any sense. They didn't exist. And so eating the food would do no harm to them. But there were others that did not have this understanding and were offended when the first group ate the meat. Some of them were just coming out of the church maybe, you know, and so, so, they, so there was, it was a kind of a raw sense of dealing with that concept where, oh yeah, this food, this food was offered to the idols and so it was supposed to be perfect and then they just turned around and sold it at the market rather than the idols taking it and burning it as we see God do frequently in the Old Testament with, with the, uh, you know, like Elijah where he, they burn, burn the, the, the meat, on the, the bull on the altar. These gods don't do that. They don't take the meat. There's nobody there. So Paul's answer to that, to those that are offended with the meat, is this. And this is in 10. 
Sorry, it says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge, that knowledge that eating the food is okay, e- eating um, in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their consciences when it's weak, <laughs> your sin against Christ, uh, sorry, the sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience uh, when, it's, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes your brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Essentially, if somebody is so immature in the faith that they cannot yet recognize that only God has real power and idols do not, then do not eat around them because they can't handle it. And this is a, a key to emphasize that this is about the mature and the immature in the faith. Those that understand the freedoms and that, that, that we have in Christ and those that don't. However, as Christians, we are never to stay at that position of being weak. And should always progress forward. There are times we have people who, are, who will find ways to be offended just to try to control people. They'll stay in that sense of immaturity to control people in their faith when, because, oh, I'm offended at that, when they have liberty to do those things. So we have to be careful to make sure that we are always progressing forward. And this brings us back to, to Peter's list. That when we supplement our faith, we are growing and becoming more mature, more mature in Christ. So in looking at this list, virtue, which is defined as being morally excellent, is the starting point because a person that acts morally will not take advantage of others. <laughs> but this is not the case of those who are morally uncontrolled. How often do we see a villain in a story gain an advantage over the hero by learning of a secret weak spot? Or how many leaders of false religions claim specialized knowledge to to gain control over the people that follow them? The virtuous person takes knowledge and uses it to benefit others. They use it to impart grace. Thus, knowledge is used to enhance virtue. And as we look to the other virtues, the other characters, we start to see how they build on one another. Because as we have knowledge and we look to self-control, self-control is somebody who's being mastered by his desires and passions, right? And so, and this is enkrata'a is the Greek word there. And what that, 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 that saying is that, that we're able to control what we desire, what, what, we, what we want to have, what, what's going on. And so that passion one is interesting because we go from, from virtue to knowledge. And as we interact with people specifically, Sometimes our passions can get the better of us if people don't have the same knowledge or understanding. We can want to get frustrated. We can want to, to, to go a different route. So, so, we can be, so being self-controlled allows us to stay civil. We think today in the culture how often people are just screaming at each other, yelling at each other, and nobody wants to listen. And so when we're self-controlled as we gain knowledge and engage, we're able to actually move forward into into dialogue and, and, and being able to, to become more godly. And steadfastness is an interesting one. This is uh, in, in the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who was not swerved from his deliberate purpose 
in his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. So if you think about it in the sense of knowing God, okay, as we, as we, as we have virtue, as we have knowledge and self-control, the other thing we're gaining here is we, we get a greater understanding of who God is. Okay? And so, so we're able to be more loyal to him. But things in, in the Christian life aren't always easy. And so we can look to him to know that we can still be loyal. And so being steadfast is, is taking down that path. And then as, but what's interesting is the next one is also too, is as we see that being steadfast is, shows God's faithfulness, we see then this producing in godliness of it being reverence, this word uh, yusiva, being reverence or respect, that as we learn more about God, there's more of an awe. There's more of a reverence. We understand who he is more. We understand the greatness of who he is. And so God's gaining knowledge in God sets us on a path to be able to be more mature. And each of these are building us to know God. And then, and then once we have known God, we're able to move into how we're engaging one another which are the last two characters, are brotherly, brotherly affection and into love. And as we grow, as we're morally, <laughs> uh, morally excellent, and there we're able to have affection for people that we never have. We're able to see what, where they're at. We're able to understand where they're at and love them more. As we grow and see what Christ has done for us. We can love our fellow man because he loved us even when we were enemies. And so this list of virtues, this list of, of characteristic and qualities help us to become more mature. And when we trust God to be at work in our lives, we know that he will build in us the qualities of godliness. And since the knowledge of God builds the qualities of godliness in us, we can trust our engagement with the world. And God makes our lives fruitful ineffective when we grow in the knowledge of him. <laughs> in verse 8 we read, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we supplement our faith with these qualities, we are going through with what theologians understand as sanctification. It's this process of being made holy. This isn't a one-time thing. It's not a single deal where salvation, you know, is this time where, where we, we come to Christ, we have an understanding, we, we answer to his call, and we come, we, we know that, that we're his. Sanctification is this process that will continue until the day that we go to be with him in glory. It's not, so, and, and each of us are going to be on our own path of sanctification. So we need to be careful in, in how we're doing that. But the, the key thing here is that that as we're going and as we're knowing God and as we move forward in the knowledge of God, we're able to be guaranteed that we're going to be fruitful and effective Christians. Being fruitful can look different ways to different people. Some people, it's, it can be in where they're, they're in the mission field and how, how they're progressing in the mission field. Other people, it can be strictly with their families. But we're able to move forward into that. And it's constantly the, this aspect of, of knowledge where we go forward, where we have to, to continue on in, in progressing. We don't stop. Okay? We don't just end at faith. It's supplemented. And we can think about this 
a little different here in the professional world. It's not very different in the professional world. And uh, for example, this week we were I, I, we had a friend over, and uh, who's a nurse. She she just uh, and. Uh, and she was kind of going through and explaining the process that uh, she had to do to finish, to, to get where she was at, and, uh, and how it continues through the course of her career. And first, she obtained her degree, and that happened back in May. She, she got her bachelor's degree in, in, uh, at CBU, and she did everything there. And, uh, and it, 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 from, it, while she was there getting her degree, she was exposed to all the different types of work that nurses do. Uh, and then she, right after she graduated, it didn't stop. She had to endure a long, lengthy process of studying uh, so that she could uh, prepare for the big test of the, Amy, if I'm right, the NCLEX, right? Um, she, she had to take her NCLEX, which she has, has since passed. And so she's, she, she has, she's certified and, and got that. But now she's been hired and she has this job and there's additional certification she has to do. And then from here, every year or every so many years, there's recertifications, there's re-education and other things she has to do. So in order for her to continue to be effective as a nurse, she has to continue on with her education. Things change, rules change, policy change, procedures change. There's different protocol and emergencies. There's advancements in science that she'll have to deal with. And so her field is changing so much that she has to stay up to date to be effective. And it's not that different in Christianity. Worldviews are changing, ideas are changing, the world changes, and the message of the gospel doesn't change, but how we engage people has to change. And so we always have to be increasing in our knowledge of God and knowing Him better so that we can engage with the world. And since we've been granted the resource to be fruitful and effective, we need to live in ways that allow us to constantly be increasing in our knowledge of God. And we need to constantly be trusting in Christ to be faithful in completing the work he started in us while we grow in the knowledge of him. If we fail to grow in the knowledge of him, we will actually be worse off. When we ignore the provision of the knowledge of God, we are blind and, and ignore our amazing resource and become ineffective. In verse 9 we see, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, this isn't an, a, an idea where the believer's losing salvation, they're, they're falling away from the Lord. They're just not able to move forward. They're not able to, to really see things clearly. And it, it reminded me, as I was going through this section of, of the passage, of a song from, I think it was 2000, by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's called See the Glory. And, uh, he opens it up. He said, the, the opening verse is, I never did like the word mediocre and I never wanted it to be said of me. Just point me to the top and I'll go over it, looking for the best that I could be. But when it comes, and he skips down a little bit, he says, but when it comes to the grace of God, sometimes I'm like playing a Game Boy standing in the middle of the Grand Canyon. I'm eating candy, sitting at a gourmet feast, I'm waiting in a puddle when I could be out swimming in the ocean. And he's showing that, that there's so many times in life that 
we're focused on these little itty-bitty things. We have this, this, this focal point of, of maybe our pain or maybe, maybe that financial worry or the car worry or, or something's going on with our child that we forget the greater scope of who God is. We forget the knowledge of Him and how that can come and help us there. And we come, we, when we focus away from God, we become blinded to those things. We can't even see the truth. We can't even really make good decisions in that. And it's because we forgot the sins that we've been cleansed from. And sometimes you can think about this in, in a way that, that we will turn towards a guilt that we no longer need to carry a burden we no longer need to carry because Christ already took that on himself. So if the knowledge of God gives us, gives us everything for life and godliness, failing to seek the knowledge of God will take us towards ungodliness. Inevitably, that's where that goes. So how can we know that when we're on that path that we can even trust our own decisions if we're not seeking God? So while we're guaranteed success in life if we know Christ, we are equally guaranteed to be out of his understanding if we do not seek him. Therefore, what kind of Christian will we be? The one that seeks the knowledge of God or the one that is blinded and self-centered rather than Christ-centered? We look back to that, those initial two stories Right, the, the two in, about the two instruction manuals. And we can really see how that can go with what's going to make us more Christ-like. If we follow the couple that follows step-by-step instructions, we can see how that takes us to a path of becoming more Christ-like. But when we look to the, uh, to the couple that maybe didn't look at the instructions, and is maybe the baby's in the crib upside down or something, and <laughs> uh, or somebody going through life without the instruction manual, it really carries weight of what we, the failure we may have in life, where we're going to go forward in life. So the question comes down to, what will, what will we do today? Will we rest in the gifts that have already been granted to us, knowing what our Savior's done? Or will we ignore the gifts and promises of God and become blind? Will you allow Christ to make your life fruitful and effective? Or will you be content with being unfruitful and and ineffective? Remember the guarantees that Paul tells us in this passage. That God's grace is multiplied in us when we grow in the knowledge of him. That God's power grows in us when we grow in the knowledge of him. God produces character in us when we grow in the knowledge of him. And God makes our lives fruitful and effective when we grow in the knowledge of him. When we ignore, sorry, wrong one. Um, So therefore, let's go now to your Savior and be more like him. What areas of your life do you need a refresher course on the instruction manuals of life? What characteristics in that list are good for you to be working on to supplement your faith? And ultimately, what can you do today to gain a greater knowledge of God? Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for today, Lord. We thank you for for your word, Lord. We thank you for you. We thank you for your son, 
Lord, we thank you that, uh, that he came down to this earth to us to die on that cross, Lord. That, that coming here was reaching out to, to a sinful people who, Lord, were enemies. And yet you have given us the means to know you better. You've given us the means to, to seek you out, to, to see what we need to be doing in life. You have the greatest instruction manual that anyone could ever know. And Lord, we just, just lift that up to you that, that today, that, that everyone here, Lord, and myself included, that we can really learn how to come to a greater knowledge and understanding of who you are. Lord, so that you can impact our lives and that we can take those promises and guarantees that you've granted to us and make them ours, Lord. Really understand those so that we can go through and have fruitful and effective lives, Lord. That we will not be blinded by the world and we will not be blinded by the things that, that are, are our worries, but that you have given us the skills and the ability to overcome. And we thank you so much, Lord, for your son. We thank you so much for, for our team in Malawi, Lord, and just pray that you'll be with them. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.